Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Dads in Timeout Sports Show. This is your host, Jesse Williams, a.k.a. J. Will, a.k.a. Jesse James the Outlaw. And I am finally back with another podcast, and I am happy to say that we are done with the NBA Finals. And I'm not saying that I'm happy that we're done with the NBA Finals because I don't like covering the NBA Finals, but I had a lot of difficulties being able to watch a lot of these games because of, well, not having cable. And then, of course, I was gone doing some Army stuff, and then they sent me home because I got exposed to somebody with COVID. Don't have COVID, thank goodness. And so... The internet was real bad and we were trying to stream the game, but I was able to stream most of the game last night and it was a good game, let me tell you. And so I took some notes to talk about some things to put in context this series. But first off, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks, first title in 50 years. Congratulations to Giannis for having one of the all-time great finals games with 50 and I think 14 rebounds and he was hitting all but two of his free throws. Shout out to the Fear of the Deer and to all the people that are Milwaukee Bucks fans. I think this is great for the NBA, and I really am happy. I know I was kind of rooting for Chris Paul to make to win the NBA Finals just because I think that Chris Paul has had an extraordinary career, and I think that this would have been icing on top, but we'll get to Chris Paul here in a minute, but... I want to be clear that whatever I say going forward is not an indictment on the Bucks. The Bucks had the opponents in front of them with whatever was going on, and the Bucks took care of business. And everybody that I know was picking the Suns to win this series. And so congratulations to Milwaukee. They didn't have home court advantage. They're missing Dante DiVincenzo, and they won the championship. They won it fair and square. And I think it is a testament to both Giannis and that organization and even Coach Bud to an extent. So now let's get to what I really feel. Not that I don't stand by those statements I made, but let's let's talk about this for real. So we can all agree, I think, that these were not the best teams out of either conference going into the playoffs. The Suns might have a closer case, but if the Lakers are healthy with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, because that series still went six, I think it's a totally different series. LeBron obviously wasn't right, and AD was hurt for several games in that series and then was limited when he was on the court. Once again, not the Suns' fault. If Kevin Durant has a bigger, has a smaller foot, the Nets win that series. He hits that shot, the game is most likely over unless a miracle happens. Now, those things did not happen. So with the Lakers, they did get hurt. And with the Nets, Kyrie got injured. And Kevin Durant was basically by himself with Joe Harris, who played like crap that entire series. With Blake Griffin, who was okay. And with James Harden on one leg, who couldn't hit a three-point shot to save his life. It's interesting because people always think when you bring this kind of stuff up that you're hating. And it's not that I'm hating. I'm just putting things in their proper context. So when you say things like, oh, this is one of the greatest finals wins of all time. Let's go ahead and put Giannis in the top 10 all time. Things need to be placed in their proper context. That doesn't mean there's an asterisk. The Milwaukee Bucks won the NBA championship. They won the NBA championship because Giannis figured some things out. They were the healthiest team minus their one injury. And they exploited a matchup, which we will get to. And so 
even if these weren't the two best teams, it still made for a very intriguing finals. The only player that had finals experience in the entire post in the entire finals was Jay Crowder. So you had new blood. You had CP3 going for his legacy-defining ring. You had Giannis trying to make that next step with two MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year award in the finals. Devin Booker, an emerging superstar. We'll get to him. And a very well-liked coach in Monty Williams and a very often criticized coach in Coach Budenholzer. So people on Twitter, they're like, you just hating, man. Like, you just hate, 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 hate. It's like, I'm not hating. It's just these things actually happened. So let's look at the Phoenix Suns. In the first round, they beat it's been so oh, they beat the Lakers in the first round. Anthony Davis is hurt. I still think they could have won that series, but who knows? Okay. In the second round, they're playing the Denver Nuggets with Jokic and a bunch of dudes. No Jamal Murray, no Will Barton, no Gary Harris. Michael Porter Jr. is obviously injured. In the conference finals, there's no Kawhi Leonard. Now they still won, and they still got to the finals, and they still went up 2-0. So that's fine. Let's just keep things in their proper context. And that goes to my next point. The Suns never figured out how to stop Giannis. They never really built that wall. I kept seeing Jay Crowder on him. DeAndre Aiden was just getting schooled by the end of the series. And at some point, he was just drawing fouls because he's not afraid to miss at the free throw line. That's a great thing about Giannis is he's not afraid of the moment. And so it's something to be commended on Giannis's part but the Suns had six games and never really slowed Giannis down he had the slow first game when you could tell that the hyperextended knee was bothering him after that I mean he averaged 35 in the series and only scored 20 in game one if that tells you anything obviously he had the 50 piece he had back-to-back 40 point games back-to-back 40 and 10 rebound games which everyone's like oh it's only been done a couple of times which is true Giannis was absolutely fantastic. Middleton showed up when they needed him to, and Drew Holiday was great on the defensive end. It goes to another thing about the Suns. Rebounding. They were getting killed on the boards routinely in in this series. They were getting smoked on the offensive glass. And I don't know how many times I watched this series and watched guys simply just not box out, which is fundamental basketball. And it's just, it was really frustrating from someone who grew up playing basketball and watching basketball that it's just, it's one of the easiest things in the world. And the Suns never figured that out. And so the rebounding killed the Suns. Milwaukee's guards matched up very well with CP3 and Booker. By the end of the series, Booker could not get his shot off against Chris Middleton. Chris Paul, which is another point that I'm going to make later about the mid range, could get to his spots. But it's almost as if Milwaukee was like, okay, well, if Chris Paul's going to beat us. But Chris Paul didn't have an epic game in this series where he went for 35 or 36 and he took over the game. He had, he, I mean, he averaged like 22 and I don't even know how many assists because I didn't look it up. But it was just one of those things to where I thought their guards would match up well. I didn't think they'd match. Now, don't get me wrong. Booker still had two 40-point games and, a, and like a 30-point game. But he also had some duds. He could not shoot the three consistently. And then we'll get to the Suns and how I, why I feel like this isn't as crushing of a loss for them. The offense. This, the Phoenix Suns offense just lacked movement at times. It was a lot of Booker going one-on-one. And it was a lot of just drive and kick. They didn't throw the ball around as much. And some of that is, is Dario Saric got hurt. Some of that is they just 
Chris Paul would go one-on-one, and then Booker would go one-on-one. And I, they just didn't have the ball movement that I saw earlier in the playoffs from them. And I think that was a key factor to why they lost. And once I, and I already talked about how the Bucks never figured out the mid-range game. Phoenix just didn't consistently hit him. Jeff, Jeff Van Gundy on the telecast last night made a great point. Chris Paul could get that free-throw line mid-range jumper anytime he wanted. And it looks like his legs were just a little tired. And so they happened to win this series, even though they never figured that out. Like the Suns, if the, the Suns could just hit the mid-range. Now, also in game two, they hit a billion threes. And so it helped that they cooled off from three. Both teams shot the three very badly last night. So Coach Bud and Coach, Coach Bud is now an NBA champion. And we were firing the guy three weeks ago. If, they, if he would have lost to the Nets, and I think even to the Hawks, I think they would have fired him. We can't fire him now. He just won a championship. Reminds me a lot of Frank Vogel. Not that I think Vogel would have got fired, but nobody was like, oh, Frank Vogel is this outstanding mastermind of a coach, and then he wins a title. And so now you're like, okay, well, he has an NBA championship. It's not a fluke. But we saw so many times in the playoffs where the adjustments weren't being made, but I thought that playing Bobby Portis more minutes was a good adjustment, but Bud was still out here playing Jeff Teague high minutes, who gave them absolutely nothing. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say Jeff Teague is washed. I'm going to say that Jeff Teague's better days are behind him. And it was evident in this series that he was basically a zero. Connaughton played well enough at times, but he was streaky. They really needed DiVincenzo in this series, even though they won. I think that it would have taken a lot of taken a lot of pressure off of Middleton, off of Holiday, who shot really badly this series both teams had weak benches now like I said Dante DiVincenzo was hurt for the Bucks Dario Saric was hurt for the Suns but why the Suns had no backup center on their roster or even a power forward that was that that can play big minutes is really concerning and this is goes back to the first point I make about putting things in context. If you look at championship teams, they have guys like last year the Lakers had Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee that could come off the bench and spell Anthony Davis. I mean, JaVale McGee started, but they had multiple bigs that could throw at teams. They had multiple guys that could handle the ball. Rondo, LeBron, Alex Caruso, and then they had KCP and just guys that could shoot off the bench. The Suns were basically their starting five, Cam Johnson and campaign if he was okay. Frank Kaminsky was a huge liability. I know he gave them good minutes last night, but if you're asking Frank Kaminsky to be one of your rotational players in the NBA Finals, congratulations that you got this far, but at the same time, we're still talking about you're putting yourself in a pickle. Brent Forbes didn't play almost at all this series. Jeff Teague, we already mentioned, was a zero. Pat Connaughton was up and down and then you had Bobby Portis who played really well but Bobby Portis is the sixth best player on a championship winning team and that's not a shot at Bobby Portis for all you Arkansas fans out there that are going to go nuts about what I'm saying and so I just think that when we watch the NBA finals and a lot of people on Twitter just lack context a lot of people in the media lack context they're just look at the box scores like oh he was trash and it's like well how are the teams constructed Milwaukee won this series because they had more guys that could go on spurts, right? So Chris Middleton could have a huge quarter, and so could Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had a 16-point quarter in one of the games in this series. Connaughton could splash threes. P.J. Tucker was virtually a zero on offense. The Suns, if Booker or Chris Paul were off, they were going to lose. 
Aiton hasn't proven that he can consistently do it down low yet. But here was the point I wanted to make about the Suns. So the Suns last year went 8-0 in the bubble and still didn't qualify for the playoffs. And that was a great run. And then they add Chris Paul. And so everyone was like, oh, well, who in, who before the season, raise your hand, was thinking, oh, Chris Paul to the Suns makes him a championship contender. We thought it gave him a chance. But with the Lakers and the Nuggets and the Jazz and I'm trying to and the Clippers, those teams were all favored above the Suns before the season started. And then they go and get the number two seed. But so you basically took a team that still had a losing record after winning eight straight in the bubble in the play-in to adding a 36-year-old Chris Paul, and they got to the NBA Finals. This team hadn't been to the playoffs in 10 years. So while we're like, oh, wow, it's disappointing that Chris Paul didn't come through in another big moment, as for the Suns, most teams don't go from not in the playoffs to going to the Finals. It's usually a progression. A great example is Oklahoma City Thunder. Though they never won a title, they lost in the first round. They got to the second round. They got to the conference finals. They lost in the finals. Then they went to another conference finals, and then Durant leaves, and then they can't get out of the first round. Now they're rebuilding. And the only exception would be super teams, right? So they put this team together like LeBron and them, and they go straight to the finals. But this is a team full of guys who had no playoff experience, really. And then they add... Jay Crowder, and they add Chris Paul, and all of a sudden they're in the finals. And people are like, oh, this is the best team in the West. And it's like, but are they really? They took advantage of the circumstances in front of them, which they are to be commended for. But let's not get it twisted and act like, oh, well, this, the Phoenix Suns are now this juggernaut. People were talking dynasty when they were up 2-0, and now they didn't even win the championship. So the, here's the question now. Chris Paul, like every other human being, is only getting older. And you kind of saw that he hits a wall. And even though he took this franchise to heights they hadn't been to since Charles Barkley in 93, are you going to pay Chris Paul $40 million? Now, he has the player option, which he's probably going to decline. If he takes the player option, he's back. Or do you try to get a different piece? Because one thing about the Suns is that the Western Conference is going to be tough. If Dame stays in Portland and they make a move, they're right there. Lower half of the playoff standings. You've got the Lakers, who I'm sure are going to make a move. You've got the Nuggets, with Jamal Murray coming back by the playoffs next year. The Jazz are going to be fully intact. I don't know about Mike Conley. And so the West is going to load back up. You're going to see whatever the Golden State Warriors do once um, Clay Thompson comes back. And whatever they do with those two lottery picks. Memphis is still a factor. Memphis is a very sneakily good young team. Let's say they add a veteran. Let's say they add... A, a key free agent that takes them over the top and gets them out of the first round. Like, are the Suns... Because everybody... I remember when the Suns were playing... I remember when the Suns were ma- matched up with the Lakers. Everyone was like, oh, it's such a bad draw for Chris Paul. We feel so bad for him. The Suns are just going to get rolled over in the first round. And honestly, when the Lakers were up 2-1, it looked like that. It really did. It looked like, okay, LeBron figured it out. They're going to steamroll this series. And then something changed. Right? So just to assume that this number one to assume that the Suns should be here and should have won the title is putting a lot of expectations on Devin Booker, who had never been to the playoffs, and CP3, who had hadn't been to the conference finals in a couple of years, and a franchise that hadn't has never won a championship. So I don't hold it against Phoenix. People are like, oh, they blew this series. It's like, well, they won the first two at home, and then Milwaukee won their next two, and then Milwaukee just figured them out. And the Suns simply didn't hit enough shots. 
if the Suns hit a little more of their, I mean, you could say the same thing that the Bucks didn't shoot well from three, but Phoenix really got to the point where they were relying on that three-point ball. And so it just became evident that the Suns had to shoot the lights out. They had big leads in several of these games, and they just weren't able to keep them because Giannis kept coming and coming and coming and coming and coming, right? There's another debate going on about Giannis and his place in the NBA right now. Some people are like, he's the best player in the world. And I hate this best player in the world the day after the finals because most people aren't putting anything in context. And I'm not saying that Giannis isn't the best player in the world. So the best player in the world went something like this. It went from Russell and Wilt to Kareem to Magic and Bird and Moses Malone somewhere in there. Then you had Michael Jordan. And after Jordan retires the first time, you it was Akeem Olajuwon. And then Jordan again. And then in the 2000s, it was Tim Duncan and Shaq and a little bit of Kobe. And then it was LeBron all the way up until a couple of years ago. Even though LeBron was in the MVP discussion last year, people would like to say, oh, well, Kawhi just won his second finals MVP. He's the best player in the world. He's past LeBron. And it's like, has he, though? Best ability is availability. And Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson went down in that series. It doesn't take away from the fact. And then Kawhi won the finals MVP, averaging like 13 points a game in 2014. Once again, context. It doesn't say that Kawhi's not a great player. Now no one's talking about Kawhi being the best player in the world. And Kevin Durant comes back from the Achilles and he plays amazing. Kevin Durant's the best player in the world. And Giannis goes and drops a 50-piece, averages 35 in the finals. Giannis is the best player in the world. Like, it changes so much. And this is one of those weird times in the NBA because Father Time has caught up with LeBron and he's had two injuries now in the last three years to where there almost isn't a best player. Jokic won the MVP, but I really believe if Embiid plays most of the season, then Embiid wins the MVP. I think that LeBron was in, I mean, he was in that conversation. I mean, the people are like, oh, he's first, second, or third in the MVP. Chris Paul was thrown in that conversation. So Giannis and then Harden's impact as being a point guard in Brooklyn and Kevin Durant and Giannis now. But Steph Curry was in the MVP conversation. So I don't know if there is a best player in the NBA right now. I think it's fluid and I think it's a good place for the league to be in where you have multiple stars. And we've talked about this before on this show about, okay, well, you have the top seven, which usually goes something like LeBron, KD, Kawhi, Steph, Giannis, Kawhi, Dame, Anthony Davis, Jokic, Embiid, and Luka. And that's not an order. That's just off the top of my head. Those are usually like the top 11 that most people agree on. And then you start throwing in guys like Booker and Tatum and Mitchell that are up and coming that can move up that ladder at some point. And so I don't think that it's too crazy to say that Giannis is in that discussion. He's got two MVPs and a final finals MVP now and a Defensive Player of the Year award, even though we know the holes in his game. But... If teams are just going to let him do what he did to the Suns, then it's not going to matter. So we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back after these messages. So we are back on another episode of Daz in Time Out. So if you're listening on Spotify, you will hear me say that twice. Uh, oh, well, things happen. So 
I want to get into a little bit of NFL. And what I decided to do is I'm going to quickly run through each division and let you know who I think is going to win each division. And I'm going to give you the stand. And so now I'm going to go and go ahead and go into a division. And I apologize to my YouTube viewers that I had to restart my video because there was noise in the background. So Spotify users, once again, it's the Dads and Timeout Sports Show. Your host, Jesse Williams, getting into the NFL. So like I just said, I'm going to pick the winners. I'm, I'm, I'm going to basically say who I think is going to finish first, second, and fourth and make the playoffs in each division, in each conference. I'm not going to go into the playoffs in depth just because that would take a little bit of extra work, which I haven't been able to fully accomplish today. Um, but I did quickly jot out uh, who I thought would finish where in each division, and I'll tell you why. Just a little nugget for each team. And go ahead, because some of you are going to be very, very upset because I am going to probably say some bad things about your team, but... Once again, it's not personal, and if you don't like it, then hit me up on Twitter, at JWillSportsGuy, so you can, um, or, or follow me on, on, and comment on YouTube, and let me know what you think. Um, hit, hit me up in Twitter, and be like, this is why you think I'm dumb, and I'll be like, okay, well, we can debate. So, we'll start off in the AFC, because A comes before N, and because I'm a Steelers fan, and we're in the AFC. So I have Buffalo finishing first. This is my easiest pick besides the AFC West. I have no qualms about this pick. I would pick Buffalo 10 out of 10 times, seven days a week, twice on Sundays. I think Buffalo has easily the best quarterback in the division and Josh Allen. The only thing that worries me about them is their defense slipped a little bit last year and they have kind of more of a running back by committee situation. And after Stefan Diggs, they have an aging Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, and they don't get a lot out of their tight ends, but they get enough. But I just think that with Sean McDermott and Josh Allen coming off making the playoffs last year, I just think that Buffalo is going to blow this division out of the water. I think that we'll get to them, and the, I'm going to talk about them later, and I'll tell you why. But I'm really confident in my Buffalo pick. Second place, I have Miami. A lot of people are going to be like, why not New England? Well, Miami has everything. We just need to figure out more about Tua. This all comes down to how Tua performs. And with a coach like Brian Flores and the defense there, now they're trading. I know there's whispers about Xavier Howard and if he's going to be traded. But I like what they did in the draft. They got another weapon for Tua. I just think that Miami is primed to, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think that they're going to have a, a really good season, and I think they're trending in the right direction. But I will say this. If Tua struggles this year, they're going to draft a quarterback in the next draft. If there's one available or they're going to trade for somebody. So don't be surprised. I know it's early, and it's probably not fair, but that's just how this works. New England, I just don't know if now Nikhil Harry wants to be traded their best receiver is some guy I had never heard of. And I know they upped some Jonu Smith and they added some players here and there. I just don't know without Brady and Gronk and all those guys that are from that era. Because Cam Newton, as much as I want him to do well, I've, I saw this last year. And you can say it was because of COVID and I'm not going to dispute that. But they drafted Mac Jones. 
Jared Stidham's still there, and Brian Hoyer. They're going to have to cut one of those quarterbacks. They're not going to keep all four. I My guess would be it would be Stidham, because if they really believed in Stidham, they wouldn't have drafted Mac Jones. They're not cutting Mac Jones. If we see Mac Jones, it means the playoffs are out, or he just is that impressive in practice. But I think the Patriots are still a couple of moves away, though I think they'll, if they finish second, I wouldn't be super surprised. And then the Jets, I just don't have enough around Zach Wilson, new head coach. It's the Jets, but I think they'll be improved, but just a tall task with another new head coach and a new quarterback. Finally got Darnold out of there. I'm looking just to see some improvement from them. I'm not expecting playoffs or close to the playoffs, but I just expect them to be respectable. So to recap the AFC East, I have Buffalo, Miami, New England, and then the Jets. This division was really hard, the AFC North, because I tried so hard not to be biased. And I could go I could go so many different ways with this division, but I settled on Cleveland winning the division. I still think they have an Odell Beckham problem where it just doesn't seem to fit is there. And it's nothing against Odell and it's nothing against Baker. I just think that Baker is better spreading the ball around. And if he and Odell can make this work, they're a dark horse Super Bowl contender. But they have Jarvis Landry. The defense is stacked. Miles Garrett is back. I mean, I know he came back last year, but I think that I think Stefanski was the perfect hire for them. They seem to have all the pieces. Denzel Ward, I think they still have Denzel Ward. I've got to really do a deep dive into this team, but I think Cleveland's going to win the division. I went ahead and picked Baltimore second just because the continuity of that franchise. I think they're still a playoff team. I think they're still super relevant. And I just trust them a little more than my own Pittsburgh Steelers. I just trust Harbaugh to have things a little more buttoned up. I'm interested to see that they didn't go get a super big receiver. They weren't able to get Julio. So I'm, I'm just, this this season is going to be interesting to see how they mix the defense and and how everything works out with their offense. And like I said, before the season starts, I'll get more in-depth and do some more research. But y'all like the football, so I'm giving y'all the football. I got Pittsburgh in third, though I still think they can eke out that seventh or sixth playoff spot. Everyone's counting Big Ben out. They just signed Melvin Ingram, which I think is an underrated move. If he can be anywhere to where he was two years ago, you've got Devin Bush, you've got TJ Watt, Cam Hayward. This This is it. This is the... Super Bowl window, and this is it for Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion. I think he's gone after this year. He damn near had to beg his way back onto the team this year. It was kind of embarrassing for a three-time Super Bowl participant, two-time Super Bowl winner, but he regressed at the end of last year, so you can say that was the elbow. You can just say that they didn't play a lot of good teams early on. They got schwacked by the Browns, but I think a lot of people in that organization are going to have a chip on their shoulder and be ready to right the wrongs from last year you got Juju Smith who I didn't expect to be back Claypool's back Deontay Johnson's back I think James Washington came back and then we draft and then the Pittsburgh Steelers not we because this is an unbiased podcast but the Pittsburgh Steelers drafted Najee Harris which I really like that pick for them because I needed a running back he's the kind of old school big bruising back Pittsburgh needs It'll be interesting to see. I think they got rid of Benny Snell Jr. It'll be interesting to see. And then Cincinnati. But Cincinnati is going to be much improved if they can protect Joe Burrow. I think he's a budding star in this league. And they drafted Jamar Chase to team up with T. Higgins. 
I like what they're doing. I just think that they're uh, Pittsburgh rebuild away. They're in a really tough division. If Cincinnati is in the next division I'm going to talk about, I think they'd finish second or third. But they're going to finish fourth, but I don't think they'll be horrible. And I have no love for the Cincinnati Bengals, so that's not me trying to be nice to them. But this version of the Bengals, I don't mind so much. It was more of the perfect Marvin Lewis era. Nothing against Marvin, just that team was real cocky for no reason. They won one division title and acted like they it like won the Super Bowl. But as, I was I, I was I love T.J. Hushmandada and I love Ocho Cinco. But we kind of had to put him in their place back in the day as the Steelers. And once again, I'm saying we because okay, I'm a Steelers fan. That's it. But I'm not going to be like Pittsburgh's going to win the division. I just don't think they will. The defense played so well last year. Now if they if they perform to their ex to their potential, Pittsburgh could win this division. But I'm not picking them. I really struggled with the AFC South, but I went ahead and went with Tennessee just because Tannehill's been really consistent for them. They just got Julio Jones. They have A.J. Brown, and that opens up even more running opportunities for Derrick Henry, who I don't think will rush for 2,000 yards again, but I think he'll have a very good year. But warning to Titans fans, if you keep running Derrick Henry into the ground, he will fall off a cliff. It's just how these things work. It's nothing against Derrick Henry. It's nothing against... Any, it's not anything against your crazy fan base, which drives me nuts on Twitter. But I and in and, and Tennessee, I think they drafted some players. I know they drafted the guy with the back issue um, out of Oregon. I don't remember where the dude was from. I'm not gonna lie, but I remember he had a back problem, and all the Titans fans were mad they drafted him. If they can make some stops on defense, they're a dark horse in this conference. Next, they have Indianapolis. Listen, I just have to see the Carson Wentz thing for myself. I have to see if his confidence has been rehabilitated. I love Frank Reich. I T.Y. Hilton is on the downside. The defense played really well last year. I just think they're a step behind Tennessee. But if they won the division, I would not be surprised. But it, it's going to come down to Carson Wentz and what he's able to do. Like I said, I'm going to get more in-depth onto this when I have time to do some homework. But I'm giving y'all that football that y'all wanted. It's like it's deja vu. I just watched Madagascar, by the way, for the, like the 20th time with my eight-month-old son. Jacksonville, um, Trevor Lawrence, he's going to have growing pains. I don't know why Tim Tebow. Actually, I know why Tim Tebow's on this team. We've already talked about it on the podcast, Urban Meyer. But they still have DJ Shark. Um, I really wish I, I remembered everybody on their team. I know they had another receiver. I just can't remember who it is. But... Didn't they also take, um, they took a running back because they had multiple first round picks. I think they took uh, Travis Etienne, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that's going to be a pretty good pick. So, and the reason I'm picking them not to finish last is because I have no idea what the quarterback situation is in Houston. They have a head coach that nobody wanted. So he's already on the warm seat, which is a podcast I'm going to do. Maybe today I might shoot another one about coaches and who are on the warm seat, the hot seat, and the coaches that might retire. And Cully's already on the hot seat because nobody wanted him. I guess he butchered the press conference. I don't listen to them press conferences when coaches get hired because it's a bunch of nonsense. Dave Campbell came out here and said a bunch of ridiculous stuff. I don't buy any of it. It's 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 whatever. Like, can you coach? Can you have a relationship with players? He's in a terrible spot. I feel bad for the dude. Seems like a really good guy. But Houston is a disaster thanks to the Bill O'Brien era and now to the unfortunate and, if true, horrible allegations, if they're true, against Deshaun Watson. 
which I think we've already talked about on this podcast. So I we haven't forgot about it. We do love women on this podcast, but there is a justice system. And so we'll let that be handled where it may. And then if there's facts that come out, an admission of guilt or a verdict or something else, then we will address that at that time. But I'm not going to address speculation because it's not fair to the victims. It's not fair to Deshaun. We don't know what happened. But if he's guilty, it was horrible and wrong. So in recap, I have Tennessee, Indianapolis, Jacksonville, and Houston in the AFC South. In the AFC West, Kansas City, I had no qualms about picking them. They got some new offensive linemen. They still got Tyreek Hill. They still have Kelsey. They still have Clyde's Edwards Hilaire, I think is how you say his name. Those hyphenated guys always throw me off. They still have Andy Reid. Um, they're, now, didn't one of their dudes, Frank Clark, I think he played for them, um, get caught with an Uzi? It's like, bro, how you get caught with an Uzi? Like, like, for real, dude. Like, I don't want to hear about protecting yourself in the Second Amendment, which I'm all for, but an Uzi? Like, them elite, like, I don't even think, I'm in the military, I can't even have an Uzi. But Kansas City, uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he went, AFC Championship game, Super Bowl win, Super Bowl loss in his first three years. He's already got an MVP. He's phenomenal. He's awesome. He's amazing. I had the Chargers finishing second, but I'll get to the third place team here in a minute. Justin Herbert was fabulous last year. I think they still have Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler. I think this team is primed to finally make a playoff run. I think that, well, I didn't think going to LA was the right move. If they're good and the Rams are good and the Lakers are good and the Dodgers are like LA's got to be a great place to be a sports fan right now, except the Kings, because I think the LA Kings are trash right now. And then USC, they got to prove some stuff, but they got a lot of good things going on in LA. Oakland is always a team I don't know what to do with because they fade during the John Gruden era late in the season. Derek Carr is one of my favorite people, quarterbacks that I've witnessed in my life recently um he seems to be a man of god i really appreciate that about him he's a baller he's gutsy he never quits i really like what he's made of judy the guy from alabama no 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 no. judy's with the broncos they had uh, the rugs guy that they picked that was from alabama two years ago that was awful last year hopefully he turns it around a lot of people in fantasy have been hating on Josh Jacobs. And I think Josh Jacobs is a really good running back. He's not he's not top five. But I had him in fantasy two years ago, and he did just fine for me. He's not 100 yards every game, but I really like Josh Jacobs, um, another Alabama running back who's proven to be pretty good. I would not be surprised if the Chargers pull the Chargers and end up in third place and Oakland finishes in second. I just, I'm not completely sold on the Raiders, and I'm not completely sold on this version of John Gruden. Denver Teddy Bridgewater ain't taking you to the playoffs. They still have Drew Locke. I don't know what their deal is. They got rid of... I mean, they still have John Elway, but he's not the GM. But they still can't get the quarterback thing right. Their defense is starting to not be as dominant as it once was. And now, I think Phillip Lindsay is gone. I know Breda's gone. Or Breda played for San Francisco. They had another one of them... Run, a Royce Freeman. One of them dudes that played for the Broncos. Um... I think Melvin Gordon just re-signed there. I'm not sold. I think he's past his prime. So I have Denver finishing last. So Kansas City, the Chargers, Oakland, and Denver. I have in the AFC, Buffalo, Cleveland, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Kansas City, and the Chargers. Those seven teams making the playoffs. Though I would not be surprised if Indianapolis or Miami makes the playoffs instead of Pittsburgh 
or the Chargers. So that's going to be fluid. Of course, injuries can happen. Things can change. Let's quickly go to the NFC, and then we'll wrap this up. So in the NFC least, I mean the NFC East, since you know you guys uh, are uh, always that that that's for a division that is some of the most historically rabid fan bases out there. I've got the Giants winning the division. Cowboys fans are fixing to go nuts, but Sterling Shepard's back. Daniel Jones. This all depends on the health of Saquon Barkley. I just think that Joe Judge is going to shock the NFL community. And I think they're going to win this division by a game. That's just my gut feeling. I don't have any knowledge about that. This is me just picking with my brain. And I think Dallas finishes second. But that defense still worries me about Dallas. Mike McCarthy is on a super hot seat. Now, I know Jerry Jones doesn't fire coaches after two years. But this is such an unpopular coach already. And it seems like he lied to get that job talking about all this film he studied, which it didn't show up last year. But their offensive potential is through the roof. Like, Dallas could win the NFC East, and I would not be surprised this year. Because if Dak's fully back, and CeeDee Lamb and Gallup, and Ezekiel Elliott has a halfway decent year, and I know there's somebody I'm missing from Dallas. Oh, Amari Cooper, right? So if Amari Cooper can transition and be in the second-best receiver and C.D. Lamb becomes their number one, number one guy, this offense could be nuts. Um, I'm still not convinced, though. I have Washington third, not because of Ron Rivera, but because um, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Can somebody tell me how many times Ryan Fitzpatrick has ever made the playoffs? Oh, oh it's zero. It's zero. So Fitzmagic is a stupid name. Yeah, he, and, and he's so likable with the beard and the big 400-yard games, but when it counts the most, he lets you down. And honestly, I would have liked if Ty, I think they I think that they think in Washington that they have a playoff team because they made the playoffs last year, and so they bring in Fitz Magic because they don't think Heineke can be a full time starter. But that dude, I have never watched a guy. Maybe Nick Foles in that Philly run when he was the backup and won the Super Bowl. But like I've never seen a guy. And maybe Doug Flutie back in the day where I see the backup come in and I'm like, dude, I just want that guy to get a shot. Even if he fails. I mean, his name sounds like Heineken. And he just, he played his heart and soul out in that game. They lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they gave him a fight. And so I think Washington finishes third. Now, at Philadelphia, it's just, I think this division is actually not very good, but it's tough, if that makes sense. So Philadelphia, I think, could have a decent season. But I want to see Hurts as the full-time starter. I want to see that whole running back thing they have with Boston. And uh, uh, is it Gaskin, that other running back they have? Or, or uh, oh, what's what's that dude's name? Um, so I don't remember his name. But they have another running back. I've just drawn a blank. But anyways, the receiving core is not very good. Deshaun Jackson's gone. It's just going to be interesting to see. So I have the Giants winning, Dallas second, Washington third, Philadelphia four. Sorry, Grady. Not hating. I just think Philadelphia is in a rebuild. I think they should take their time with their rebuild. I know Philly's not a great place to do that, but y'all survived the process so far. And so we'll see. This next division all hinges on Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, the Packers win the division. If Aaron Rodgers doesn't come back, I have no idea. So we're going to do... If Aaron Rodgers plays and if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play for Green Bay. So if Aaron Rodgers plays, the Packers win the division. Minnesota second, Chicago third, and Detroit fourth. 
Now, I'm going to be under the assumption, I'm going to take the man at his word that he's not going to play. So this is where I got. I got Minnesota winning the division. Though, if you've listened to me over the last couple years, you kind of know how I feel about Kirk Cousins. And it's not personal. I don't know Kirk Cousins. I have no reason to dislike Kirk Cousins. I just think that stat people, and by stat people, I mean people who look at a box score and be like, he threw for 4,000 yards. What do you mean he's not good? It's like, bro, do you watch these games? It's like when it comes to Dak. Like, if you watch the, if you actually watched the Cowboys last year before Dak got hurt, he was like, okay, okay, okay. Then they're down by three scores, and he's thrown against prevent defense. It's not saying Dak's not a good quarterback. But if you watch Minnesota play, you're not like, oh, wow, they won that game because of Kirk Cousins. He's a lot like Baker in the fact that you just don't want him to mess it up. Not that they're bad, but he his ceiling is low. But he can still make a Pro Bowl. He can still be a quarterback of a playoff team. But I just don't. But they have Justin Jefferson. They have Adam Thielen. They have Dalvin Cook. So with that trio, or I guess with that quartet, if you add Cousins in there, he should be able to get this team to the playoffs if Aaron Rodgers isn't there. And I still think they could be in the wild card. I'm not going to lie and act like I know a lot about their defense, but Zimmer is definitely on the... Is it Mike Zimmer, their coach? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Zach Taylor is the one in Cincinnati. Mike Zimmer, whatever. Mike Zimmer, I think, used to be an assistant in Cincinnati. He's been in Minnesota for a couple years. I like Mike Zimmer a lot, but if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to fire his butt and hire somebody else, whether that's fair or not. They're going to get him up out of here. Chicago is so weird because I could almost see Chicago winning a division, But they have Andy Dalton starting at quarterback, and I don't know because I'm not a scout if Justin Fields – I don't know about – okay, so I don't know anything about any of these rookie quarterbacks. I could have told you that Andrew Luck was going to work coming out of Stanford just watching his games. I could have told you that Peyton Manning was going to work, and I could tell you that – I'm trying to think. Deshaun Watson was pretty safe that he was going to be just fine. I, but I'm just very hesitant to throw expectations on rookie quarterbacks. Fields balled against Alabama, but it was meaning. And like, it, I'm not saying it was meaningless, but he 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 put up a great stat line while getting blown out. And I'm, this is not Justin Fields' fault, right? But if you were to tell me Justin Fields would have a really good year, I would not be super surprised. And I'm sorry, my back is starting to kill me because I'm sitting in an awkward position. So I've got Chicago third, Detroit. Listen, I got some Detroit people to follow me on Twitter. It's going to be a long season, y'all. Like, y'all made the playoffs like once or twice to Matt Stafford. Jared Goff, I believe this when I say this. The only time I've ever seen Jared Goff play well is with Sean McVay. He was horrible with Jeff Fisher, and I think he's going to be really bad in Detroit. And I'm not buying the hyped-up Matt Campbell crazy talk. Y'all, and see, this is my thing about Detroit. Why do y'all keep hiring the minus Jim Caldwell? And this isn't a black-white thing. This is just bad hires. And and I'm actually going to talk bad about all the white coaches they've hired recently. Okay, so they hired... Who's the first dude they hired? That that I was... uh, Jim Schwartz. Big, brash, always talking all the time. Great defensive coordinator, but his team was always getting dumb penalties because they're like, oh, our coach is tough. We're going to be tough. But we're going to be too tough and commit stupid penalties. Then... Y'all go and get Jim Caldwell, who's calm and cool, collected, you know, went to a Super Bowl, almost beat the Saints. Well-respected guy in the league, and then y'all got rid of him because he went 9-7 and seven or, like, y'all gave that dude, like, two or three years. It was stupid. Then y'all go hire Matt Patricia, who's just an a-hole that no one likes, and he has a stupid backwards hat and the pencil in the ear and all that, so that didn't work. So now it's like, hey, I don't know. Let's go get the, the tight end coach that... 
talks about eating bears and lions and stuff. Like, dude, like, this is why you're the lions. And I want the lions to be good because you guys ran off Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. And by you guys, I mean y'all's front office, not your fans. Like, I'm with the fans, dude. Like, I want nothing more than for the Lions to be good and win a Super Bowl because Detroit, y'all deserve it. But Jared Goff ain't the dude. I have Minnesota, Green Bay, Chicago, Detroit. If Aaron Rodgers comes back, we redo this whole thing. The NFC South. Tampa Bay is going to win the division. They brought everybody back. They're loaded. They're not going to lose this division. Period. End of discussion. Gronk, uh, Mike Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, Fournette, Nanamik and Sue, Tom Brady, Shaq Barrett, they're all back. They're going to win the division. They might even win the Super Bowl again. Who knows? Carolina's my surprise team in this division. I just think Matt Rule is going to do something with Sam Darnold. I'm. This is one of my most interesting... Like, Sam Darnold, Jared Goff, Matt Stafford in LA, and... Uh, who is Oh, and uh, Carson Wentz in Indianapolis are my four quarterbacks. I'm really interested to see if they can... What they're going to do. I think Andy Dalton's passed whatever he's going to do. But I think that Carson Wentz in Indy, Jared Goff in Detroit, and um, Sam Darnold in Carolina, and also Stafford. These guys have a certain narrative about the career, so I want to see where that goes. Atlanta and New Orleans, I could flip-flop either one. Atlanta lost Julio Jones. They still... They have Arthur Smith as their coach now, which is an offensive guy, I think, even though they need help on defense. Matt Ryan's a B quarterback that played in an A level one time. I really like Matt Ryan, but... And then New Orleans, I have no idea who they're going to start at quarterback. And this just seems like the time... I mean, they couldn't win a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. I have no idea what to make of the Jameis in New Orleans thing. I'm interested to see it. The... Okay, so I have Tampa Bay, Carolina, Atlanta, New Orleans. To me, this is the best division of football, the NFC West. I've got the Rams winning with Deshaun Jackson and Cooper Cup and Woods and Stafford. I think Stafford might win the MVP this year. I think this team is loaded. Aaron Donald, like, I just, I know they just lost Cam Akers. That's a really tough development. But I think this could be a really special year for the Rams. Seattle because of Russell Wilson. Literally because, and then TJ Lockett and uh, DK Metcalf. Chris Carson's got to play better at the running back position. They've got to protect their quarterback so he's not running for his life. Arizona and San Francisco. I really struggled with these two because Arizona now has uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald. And Kyler Murray's going into his third year. I think he could be really, really good. I think he's slightly, I'm not going to say overrated, but people hype him up so much. Let him get to the playoffs before we, you know, like give the guy a chance. Um, He didn't blossom until his last year in college and he had to transfer. I mean, that should tell you something. I don't know what that says. San Francisco, Trey Lance is so highly touted, but Jimmy Garoppolo is a big question mark. I think their running game is going to be interesting. They have Kittle. Their defense is still well. I like Kyle Shanahan a lot. But I could literally, two through four in this division, I could put in any order and I would be confident with it. So I don't, which means I'm not confident about it at all. I have the Giants, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Buccaneers, the Rams, the Seahawks, and, and the Cardinals making the playoffs. And once again, if Aaron Rodgers plays, this all changes. Quick pick. I've got the Rams 
beating the Bills 30-24 to in the Super Bowl. That's my pick for now. I have the right to change it because the season hasn't started. But it's been another episode of the Dads in Time Out Sports Show. I'm your host, Jesse Williams. Follow me at Guy on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, which I guess is on iTunes. Uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you can find it. Um, good pods. And let me know what you think. So you guys have a wonderful day. And I will hopefully talk to you guys again very soon.